Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and my co-host today is my wonderful friend, Alicia. Hello, Alicia. Hi, Bree. Thank you Thanks for, for asking me to join you. Yes, and we <laughs> are so excited because we have been reading and loving this author's books, and we're just so happy you're here. Author Anna Grace, thank you for being here today, Anna. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, let's start with 2023. So we're recording this. It's November. We're going into Thanksgiving break. How has 2023 been for you? It has been a wild year in terms of um, publication, in terms of life changes, all sorts of things have been happening. Um, and I mean, the most exciting thing has really been getting to have uh four books out this year and then one coming out next year. So for my first series to come out like in quick succession, it's really been uh, pretty wild and pretty exciting. With the, I mean, first off, like I said, Alicia and I are huge fans of this series. And <laughs> we're going to gush. Isn't it crazy, Alicia, to see like the books come, like it didn't really register to me, Anna, until you said that, like, wow, yeah, they all have come out in the same, in the same year. What did the, yeah. like, were you writing them all That's at the same nuts. time? <laughs> Okay. So, um, so the first book, I think I started the first book in maybe 2018. I took my time. I rewrote it. It's been like that book, um, A Rancher Worth Remembering. I spent so much time on that book. And then I started um, what I thought was going to be the second book, which is the book you just read, Her Hometown Christmas. I started that book and then the first book got under contract, second book got under contract, but then my agent was like, hey, you know what? I think if we approach Harlequin and we suggest bringing in this book, we could you know, turn this two book contract into a five book contract, which she did. The only caveat there was that I had to write book two, Bowman and Maisie's story in five weeks. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, Pressure that time. was... <laughs> Yeah, that was like a that was not my most pleasant month. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I look back on that as like, wow, that was that was great. No, it was pretty hard, but um, but it was such a you know to be able to have the books come out in quick succession. Really, I really wanted that, um, and I love this Wallace family so much, and so it was just a joy to write their stories. Interesting. Okay, that you kind of answered a question that we have for later. So, um, you know, we're still going to ask and maybe you'll have something like e extra, you know, juicy you can, you to share. But just to hear that you worked on the first one for so long, because like, look, that book is we loved it. Um, I just feel like it is like part of my heart and soul now. Like, I can't wait to reread it. So to hear that you worked so long on it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, because it just reads like one of those books that you would think just like popped, just fell from the sky. Oh, okay. So yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's, I don't think any of the original words were still in the book by the time it got published. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, okay. We have to put a pin there. We have to put a pin there because I feel like this is, this is part of one of the questions we have later. So pin okay. the pin there because we want all the juice on this series. So please, Alicia, take away icebreakers before we get too carried away. If you came up with a warning label, what would your warning label be? Oh, for these books? For you. Um, for you as a person, as a, write, a reader, writer. Oh, if you have um, a warning label, yeah, what would your warning if label say? I had a warning label. It would be something <laughs> along the lines of like um, 
must have espresso. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuel with espresso first. Like that would be the warning label. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do not- I feel that with my whole soul. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not an espresso girl, but I feel like mine would be like probably running late with and has iced coffee. But like I'm, <laughs> I leave early, but I always end up late. But, you know, I will have coffee for everybody. <laughs> mine would be don't speak to me until the first cup of coffee is done. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not conversational until the first cup of coffee is done for the day. But do you all feel like it? Not even like the coffee itself. It's almost like, I feel like at this point, my morning iced coffee is like part of my wardrobe. Like it's just, it's, yes. it's, like the, it's armor, <laughs> yes. it's comfort. It's not even like I necessarily need it. It's just, it's just part it's, of the morning aesthetic. It's just, it's the routine of it. Yes. yes. <laughs> right. And Alicia, like you were saying, you know, don't talk to me before coffee. It's also like, give me a few minutes when I wake up, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not the person that can get up and start talking to people. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, absolutely. So what's a movie or television show you'll never stop watching? A movie or television show I'll never stop watching. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, so I think Abbott Elementary is the most brilliant yes. thing to ever come away. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I know you're a teacher. Um, Alicia, are you in education as well or? No, I'm not. Um, but I'm from the area that they base it off of. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And I just, as a teacher, I like that show every episode. I'm like, yes, <laughs> it is. it's brilliant. And I love some Philadelphia representation because we don't get enough of it yeah. in, it's the, in, in the media world. Right. Right. I've, I've, I've learned a lot about Philadelphia from that show. And I can tell you it's all accurate. I think I saw recently (laughs) that like, I think it's coming back in January or February. And I think we have maybe like an, maybe like an hour long premiere or something like that. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's so joyful. It's so funny. (laughs) So good. It's so so funny, but it's so real. I mean, just in terms of what education is like, I love it. So yeah, that has been my favorite so far. The next icebreaker would be, um, what was the last song that got stuck in your head? Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, it was um, Willie Nelson's Pretty Paper. I don't know if you know that song. It's like a Christmas song. Um, And I'm working on a new series now, and I've got this old guy playing a record in this tiny store. And I was like, okay, what is he listening to? And I was like, he is definitely <laughs> listening to Willie Nelson. So then I played that song and then I've just been like, like humming Aww. it nonstop. I'm not going to hum it right now. I will, I will save your listeners the pain, but um, yeah, <laughs> going around and around in my head. And then of course, Taylor Swift, my daughter is a huge Taylor Swift fan. So at any given moment, I've got some, I've got some Taylor lyrics in my head. Yes. Yeah. My, my daughter's a Swifty too. Like she turned 15 on the eighth and it was like, she wanted this Swifty necklace from Amazon and apparently like, we ordered it. But I guess it never showed up and we kind of forgot about it. She was heartbroken. Like we got her oh, no. all these other extravagant gifts and she was like, where's the Taylor Swift necklace? And I'm like, Oh, we have to order the Taylor Swift necklace. again. Oh, no. <laughs> it was odd. She was so crushed. I know I totally like I totally hear that yeah um how is she is she how's she feeling about the um Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift reunion there 
You know, I don't Does think she, she, I don't think she, well, and then it's crazy because like my family lives in Kansas city. So I, oh I forgot for me, that. I get it. I don't think she really cares. She just loves the music, <laughs> but I'm like, she is out with it. She seems really happy. Like we're seeing these little <laughs> clips of them, like kissing and he's at the concerts and I'm like, this is what she needed. It's, cute. it's so cute. Yeah. It's so cute. <laughs> Right. But I just Absolutely. think that it's it's something fascinating to see like her fan base is amazing. I don't know. It's just like I was thinking Bonkers. like there was I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how her re-release of Taylor's uh 1989 Taylor's version sold like 1.5 million copies and wow. I'm just like you have like the, she didn't change much of anything, but the fact that right. you can re-release an album and it sells that much is and just that, like what, an album that didn't come out that long ago. Right, it didn't come out that like long it ago. It came it's out like, when I was in college. Yeah, I just I think it's I love that young women and women of all ages like have found their person. I just think that's great. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just the way she bounces back from. Adversity, I think, is what is so appealing to her for so many young women. Yeah, they're like, yes, you know, that's my that's my person. I can get mad. I can write a song about it. I can move on. Well, who is one of your most read authors? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I love Terry Wilson. Huge yes. fan. Yes. Um, I, I love Jane Austen. Like, I'm still reading Jane Austen. Um, that's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. We for, need to um, we need to talk about Jane Austen because she's literally why I started reading. Oh wow! Or how I started reading. Yeah. Okay. My mom gave me Pride and Prejudice when I was eight. So. Yeah. Okay. Podcast idea. Jane Austen. Yes. Please. Jane Austen. Yeah. Okay. So yes. okay. So Anna, what's your Jane Austen drug of choice? Is oh, it Pride and Prejudice? So well, no. For years, it was Emma. Emma was like my. That was my character. Um. Well, you know, this is a matchmaking character, right? Getting in other people's yes. business. <laughs> so Emma, like I love Emma. I also, um, Persuasion, as I get older, Persuasion just like settles deeper and deeper. Um, Captain Wentworth. Persuasion's oh. my all-time favorite. Oh, yeah. Such a great book. All-time favorite. The letter. Yeah. That's all I got to say. The letter. The letter. Right. <laughs> so good. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, I love, I, I read a ton. I Really, I read all sorts of genres um, in terms of romance. Um, gosh, I, Maggie Wells is another favorite. Um, oh, I love Maggie. Yeah. 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 Um, so lots, lots and lots. Well, my amazing writing partner, uh, Christine Lynn, which um, has one book out with Harlequin right now. She's got a bunch more coming. She's my writing partner. So I get to read everything like before it hits the streets. And so like, that's a really, oh, that's, that's a really, awesome. she's one of my very favorites. Christine, if you're listening to this, we love you. I love her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got to get wonderful you two on here together. That <laughs> would be so much together. fun. We would love that. Yeah. Wonderful writer, wonderful <laughs> human being. Yeah. Have you been reading the Terry Terry Wilson's like latest special edition series? Oh yes. Just Isn't finished it. it. So oh. good. <laughs> I haven't started it yet. Oh, Alicia, you're gonna love it. It is like I know I need everything. To. Like I, I think if you follow Terry online and you know I what do. she's yes. into, it's like yeah. you can you just feel when you're reading the series. Like she has wanted to write the series for a long time. It's so good. It's so good. It's I love so hearing good. what you as authors are into reading. Um, I do too. Well, okay, so this we may have gotten a little bit of the bones of this already, but tell us your romance origin story. Like, how did you become a romance reader and writer? Was yeah, it Jane okay. Austen? <laughs> uh, no, it was actually pre-Jane Austen. 
I wrote my first romance novel when I was 12 years old at Girl Scout camp. Um, wow. I was, you know, a pretty a shy child. I always loved writing. I always knew um, that I wanted to write. And I'm at Girl Scout camp and it's all rowdy and everybody's running around and doing all these various things. And I had this little notebook and I'm sitting on the beach, like writing this story. And that, you know, probably sounds a little weird and it probably was, but I am um, writing the story. And then at night, my cabin mates were like, what are you doing all day? And I was like, I'm writing this story. And I read aloud to them, you know, what I'd written that day. And they they loved it. They were like, oh, this is so great. It was about like a, a teenage rock star um, and her romance. And so- Of course, of course. <laughs> right, what else would it be about? Um, and then like, as the week went on, I continued to work on it. I would read it out loud every night. And it was this just really cool experience of like my imaginative experience um, connecting with their imaginative experience. Does that make sense? Like- I come up with this idea, I share it with them. It's different in their heads, right? Um, and it was just like, awesome. So that was it. Like from then on, I was like, I am gonna write romance novels. Now that was when I was, you know, 12. Um, and I'm a lot older now. So it took me a long, 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 long time. But that's always, I've always loved writing. And I've tried to write novels that aren't romance novels. And I'll start something out and I'll be like, this isn't a romance. And then midway through, a couple of characters are like, oh, it's a romance now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in there. You don't even notice it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what happens. And so that's that's really where I got my start. Um, I worked for years and years and I just love writing love stories and love reading them too. Um, Barbara Cartland, when I was young, I read a ton of Barbara Cartland. Um, so yeah, all sorts of all sorts of influences there. Did it just come to you like the the writing, like the, the craft piece of it? Did you do any courses or was it just like starting at 12 and just taking your time and just getting better and better? Because you are a fantastic writer, Anna Grace. Like, I mean, we, we're going to get into this series, but like, yes, <laughs> I mean, tell us your, tell us, tell us the magic. How did it, how, how did we get here? Because you're really well, good. You. Um, thank you. It, it it took a long time. I think I think really wanting to write and wanting to tell a story well was a huge part of it for me. Um, I wrote, like I said, I wrote a lot all throughout childhood. And I would write these, like when I was in middle school, I would write short stories for my friends. So like a romance between um, my friend Melissa and John Taylor of Duran Duran, right? And I would write their little romance <laughs> story. And then like- I love all it. All of my friends were like, you know- um, various <laughs> short stories. I wish I should find these stories. They're somewhere. Um, I was going to ask if you have them somewhere. God, that would be awesome. <laughs> we can we can be assured that they are horrible, horrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy. I remember enjoying writing them, and my friends would just be like, oh, you know, of course, you know, you get a romance story with you and Simon Lebon or whoever, and um, they enjoy <laughs> them too. Um, so I wrote. Um, and then when I, you know, became a grown-up um, and then got serious about writing a novel, I I wrote a lot. I have a lot of unpublished novels just sitting on my shelf because what I didn't put together until later in life was writing something that a publisher could easily pick up, right? Um, so writing, the structure was what I really needed. So in 2018, I got serious about getting published and I joined um, a number of groups 
I started taking classes. I started going to conferences. And that's really what flipped the switch was starting to go and meet with other people, read other books. Are you guys familiar with um, Romancing the Beat? Um, yes. That, that little Gwen Hayes. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that romancing the beat like changed my life. Like, yes. <laughs> I love that. For anybody who has not read it, it's like itty bitty, but probably the best like ten dollars you'll ever spend on a book. Like, it's, the it's best. so tiny. Really you can is. read it in like what, like forty five minutes, maybe. <laughs> but it's just yeah. packed with so much. It's packed with so much, but it's also like fun and well written, and I yes. enjoy reading it. Um, yes. Yeah. No. I I, I met. Um, Gwen Hayes once at a conference and I just totally ambushed her and like fangirled her. I was really, I felt really bad. Her, her face was like, uh, okay. But I was like, I just really love your book. Um, so that was helpful. And then the second big piece was meeting my two writing partners. We, um, Christine Lynn um, and Katie Frey and I met online at um, Write for Harlequin on their Facebook page. And that um that friendship and that connection was huge because then we read each other's work. We gave each other feedback. We were there for each other through the rejections and the disappointments. And that, that was a second huge part. So, so the writing, I mean, it's taken a long time and a lot of hard work and a lot of rejection. I mean, my goodness, I was getting rejection letters in the nineties. It's been a, it's been a long time. Um, but I think just sticking with it is, is kind of where it all came together is not, yeah. not giving up. Yeah. I used to tell myself it's it's not over until I quit. Um, so I'm always like interested, that. like when because ob- I think romance is just going to continue to grow and grow, and rejection is obviously part of it. Like mm. for an ex- just anything that comes to mind, like do you remember what any of the rejection letters say? Because I think that's a I think that is an important part of the process that people don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to acknowledge. And I'm sure the process is different for everyone. But for that aspiring mm-hmm. writer out there, and here we are, we're fangirling about your series. So you've you've yeah. made it through the rejections. <laughs> like, Yay. what what did some of yours say or one of yours say? And like, what advice do you have to them to like, push through the rejection part of it? Okay, so that is such a great question. Um, so every rejection tells you some great information, a rejection with like a, just like the straight up rejection. I don't know if anybody has ever gotten that like Harlequin two weeks. Nope. We don't want it. Like, you know, just this like Insta rejection. Those told me I was submitting the wrong story to the wrong line. That was good information to have. Um, as I continued on in this process, the rejections got longer and people began to write, you know, they would write. I liked this. I liked that. Entangled. I got some wonderful rejections from Entangled. Just lovely, long rejections. Um, that I were love like, that you said wonderful and run, wonderful rejections. Yes. And Perspective, people. Right. I'd be like, babe, listen to this rejection. This is so great. And he'd be like, why didn't they buy the book? Because of course my husband um, believes that everyone <laughs> should buy every book and every word I write, um, which is lovely. Um, but I think as they started to say things like, we really liked these characters, this setting was really interesting. Things that they, that weren't quite working were, um, you know, I often had too many characters, which you may have noticed from this series. I really, I really love my secondary characters. So there's that in there. We do too. So please don't stop writing that. Right. <laughs> the secondary characters. Well, in Harlequin Heartwarming, very explicitly has space for those secondary characters, right? So in a heartwarming novel, like that, that's a good fit. Um, so a, a lot of times the problem was I just kind of hadn't hit 
hit the mark that they needed for that line. I wrote a book about that took place at the um, Olympic track and field trials. The Olympic track and field trials um, often happen here in Eugene, Oregon. And I love this love story. And people wrote back and they were like, this is a great love story, but nobody knows what the Olympic track and field trials are. And I was like, how do they not know? <laughs> These are the most exciting thing ever, but um, because it just wasn't as marketable. So those pieces slowly gave me more information. And I think celebrating the fact that an editor who, you know, these are busy, busy people, that an editor or an agent would take the time and write to me, you know, two pages and then say, please submit something to us in the future. That really started to, to change the dial. Um, and it gave me, it gave me hope um, in what I was doing. Did you, were you always um, not necessarily focused on Harlequin, but like, how did you, was it a conversation with your agent? Because like you you, you mentioned um, the the buying of the series and the conversation you had with your agent. Like, were you targeting Harlequin? Uh, did you want it heartwarming? Like, how did the series end up there? Okay, this is <laughs> such a great story. So I have been rejected from Harlequin. I'm, um, I don't know, five times, more times. Oh, Harlequin, gosh. Like, wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, yeah. Have, have you all been rejected from Harlequin as well? Is this a, have other people had this feeling? I'm, I'm um, afraid of yeah. getting rejected from Harlequin. That's why I've, I've never submitted anything. <laughs> I write stuff. I don't, I haven't submitted. Right, right. This is why we're loving this. We're eating it up because it's like, we're just too scared. <laughs> I, didn't I have stuff written. I haven't submitted anything. Yeah. I didn't submit this book to Harlequin back before it was rewritten for whatever the fourth time, because I didn't want it to get rejected. And I was like, I so want it to be at Harlequin, but I just couldn't, you know, but I had gotten to the point. So I'd, I'd had some rejections. I'd had one novel that an editor um, asked me to, she, she said, I love this. I love so much about this. Please rewrite these parts and then give it back to me. I rewrote it. I gave it back to her. Um, we went back and forth a few times and then ultimately she rejected it. Um, in a way that made me really sad. <laughs> that was a hard, hard rejection for me. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I just don't have the special sauce. There's some sort of Harlequin special sauce and I don't have it. So then I started focusing on um, Entangled and Thule and I was hoping to submit to source books. Um, but then I was still um, pitching agents all this time and I really did want to get an agent. Um, and then I wound up with the best agent ever. I'm with uh, Steffi Rosito. She's part of the um, Tobias Literary Agency. Love Steffi. Um, she's really, really great. She read my book and she said, this is a perfect fit for Harlequin Heartwarming. And I was like, okay. And she submitted it to, um, I think, five different um, publishers. In one week, we got two offers. One was from Harlequin Heartwarming and the other, um, I think it was... Forever? Is that, I, I think it was from oh, there. Oh yeah, Forever Publishing, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I think I have that right and I may, like, I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, but Harlequin Heartwarming, of the two, they were really enthusiastic about it. Um, they really liked it and they offered a two book series. And so at that point it was like, this is meant to be. Um, it really, and it really did feel like that book was just a good fit for the heartwarming line. Um, so that's how that finally, finally came about. And man, holding that first book from Harlequin in my hands and just being like, I would just walk by and look at the cover. And like, <laughs> Oh my <laughs> gosh, Jet on that cover. Oh, oh my gosh. My gosh. <laughs> Whoever 
whoever picks your covers, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love that it's the, cause sometimes I don't know what's, I don't know who deals with this art department or who, but like sometimes we get the covers and they're like that smooth, like mott almost cover. And then like the next month they'll be kind of these shiny. I love that yeah. Jets is like the smooth cover. He's just like, yeah. he glares into your soul. Okay. <laughs> gorgeous. Yes. And I love like the emu in the back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I'd like to give that young man a thank you note, you know? Yes. <laughs> he is Jet. Like, I cannot imagine yeah. Jet not being him. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. And they nailed it. Sometimes I feel like they, sometimes I feel like they really get what the characters look like. And other times I'm like, oh, this isn't quite right. But Jet, like, that is what Jet looks like. They That's did a great Jet. job. Yeah. 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 So what was your I got the call story? Um, oh, this was kind of funny. Um, well, there's two, <laughs> I feel like two this stories. whole episode should be prefaced with this is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this should be the title. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we don't put that. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, so with um when I got the call from Stephanie Rosito about her wanting to represent me um on this book, I I get this email that says feedback from Tobias Literary Agency on um, love that book was originally titled love rule number one and I look at it and I'm I see the title of the email and I'm like oh it's another long rejection and I sit down to read it and it's like at the end of the school day and I click on it and there's I keep reading it and reading it trying to find the rejection in it and there's no rejection she's like I'd like to set up a meeting and I'm like why <laughs> like, um, so then I get super nervous for this meeting and I over-prepare and I'm so ready to pitch myself and like, here's why you should represent me. And I get there and she's pitching herself as to why I should let her represent me. And I was like, um, okay. And she's like, so why don't you take two weeks and think about it? And I'm like, I, you know, Tobias Literary Agency was, I had five top agencies and it was at the top. Like this was the agency I really wanted to be represented by. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take two weeks. Like I'm some sort of professional here, but like, no, <laughs> like, yes, this is what I want to do. So um, then we submitted in July. July is not a great time to submit because a lot of people go on um, on vacation in August and there's just not a lot happening um, at HarperCollins and Harlequin in August. So we didn't hear back until October. And at that point, um, Steffi and I had sort of begun to have some conversations about, well, you know, we hadn't heard back from anyone. We hadn't gotten any rejections, but we hadn't gotten any anybody taking it. So we started to talk about what might be the next project. We had that conversation on a Monday. On Wednesday of that week, um, everybody, I was teaching high school at the time, and everybody in the school had this big testing day, and everybody, sophomores and juniors are taking the PSAT. So yeah. my day was really booked. But I did have like a break in the day. I get to school that morning. I've got an email from Steffi saying, can you talk? And I was like, ooh, that sounds <laughs> that sounds good. So I have this five-minute break <laughs> during the PSAT. I leave the PSAT, which is a silent classroom. Everybody's all like, you know, stressed out about taking this big test. I walk across <laughs> the hall into a friend's classroom that's empty. I take the phone call. And I am jumping up and down, screaming as quietly as I possibly can. As Stephanie's like, we have an offer from Harlequin because Harlequin was the first offer we got. I am, and the other teachers in the classroom, there's windows. So students in the hallway can see me like bouncing up and down. <laughs> That's so sweet. 
but I've only got like this quick little five minute break. So then I have to hoof it back to the PSAT. I can't tell anyone. My daughter was, um, my daughter went to the high school I taught at. So my daughter's like on campus also taking the PSAT that day. So I can't like text her and be like, oh, I got this. <laughs> so anyway, finally the, the PSAT ends. I'm filled with joy. And then I call every family member. I text everybody. I use every exclamation point I should be allowed to use. Um, in my text. <laughs> and, uh, so that was my, it was a pretty exciting day. It was really special. During testing season. <laughs> yeah. So, that brought back some memories for me, right. not good ones. <laughs> I want to be like serious and thoughtful for the students, but I'm just like grinning to myself. You're on cloud nine. Like, <laughs> let's talk the series now. So, Love Oregon, how how did it all come to you? Like, what were you doing in life that this did, was it the was it the town? Was it the family? Like, how did it how did it come to you? So. I was riding in the back of an Uber um, on my way to the airport in LA, um, and I had just been to a writing conference, and it was really fun. My husband had come down with me. His son um, was living in LA at the time, and so I would go to the conference, Jeff would hang out with his son, and then um, we just had this lovely LA trip, and we just had this really great time with Nate after we'd taken a walk and um, you know seen some cool stuff. And we're in the car, um, headed to the airport, and I'm missing Oregon, and I'm ready to be home. And there's this magazine about modern-day matchmakers. And I was like, I'm going to write a story about two sisters who are matchmakers, and one of them's going to have anxiety. And that idea just like came to me. And I was like, okay, good. Um, and I get home, and I fleshed out pretty much the whole, I, I, the, I, the characters, I knew who the Wallace siblings were. And each of the Wallace siblings came to me very clearly. There was no sort of struggle in figuring out who they were. Jet also um, arrived pretty quickly as well. Um, but the other, the other characters of, um, you know, of Maisie and of Violet, those, those came later. Um, and I just sat down and started to write. I was really, um, you know, I'm sure you you know this. Um, young people now are struggling with anxiety, and and in general, society is as well. And so that character um, of somebody with an anxiety disorder that she manages really well, but also is still affecting her life, that was a pretty important story that I wanted to tell. Um, so it that first story came to me really quickly and really easily, um, and I loved. Love, love writing that book. It was just a joy, and like I said, it wasn't. It wasn't great. There were a lot of things. Like originally, it had flashbacks in it. Of course, nobody does flashbacks anymore. Um, so that was that was where that came from. And Jet, um, I was working on the book, and we came back from winter break at school, and we got an email from one of our administrators, and she said, "I want you to think about the fact that for some kids, they've been looking forward to coming back. Right? Um, maybe they haven't had." a lot of love and support at home over the holidays. And so just know that maybe your smile as you welcome kids back is a real relief to some students. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is so true. And then that really filled in a lot of Jet's um, background around his connection with the Wallace family and the teachers and so forth. And so that's where the two of them kind of came in. The meet cute in that book. <laughs> <laughs> I remember us talking about it. Yes. It's just so We memorable. were literally voice, voice, sending voice memos, like screaming at each other about it. 
<laughs> she runs him over with her bike. It's so memorable. And then he is like being the wingman for his friend that's going to meet this matchmaker, not realizing it. It's just so. And I, I love a matchmaker in romance. I want more actual matchmakers in romance. So, yes. Yeah. It's like I, modern ones. Yes. So it's so good. <laughs> Yeah. And just thinking about like, and Piper's book, which is the final book in the series, like we okay, get, we, we get had to, to we were, we were going to go there because we were I, was gonna like, ask. I was like, when do we get Piper? When do we get Piper? She's so cool. She's kind of, she's a sister that moved away. I knew you were going to make us wait for her, but I just, and had she's, to, snarky. And she's snarky. Like, I love her. I was texting with my friend Susie this morning because she's just been on me about Piper's book. She's just like, when do we get Piper? Right, right. <laughs> so I want Piper. <laughs> and I'll tell you, um, of all of these books, Piper's book was the most fun for me to write. Um, it just, the, her voice, Piper's voice was so clear in my head. And other voices, like Bowman's voice was very hard because Bowman, of course, is really quiet. And so because Bowman doesn't talk very much, it was hard for me to like you know, get in there and figure him out. And I, I feel like I, I got there eventually, but um, Piper just was like, that was a fun, fun book to write. Yeah. Um, except for the last scene when I'm finishing up this whole series and I'm like, I don't want to leave. That's it's done. It. Yeah. Well that, so let's get into like our, the question we had about like some, like it can be one or whatever. I feel like you've shared multiple already, but some of the behind the scenes. So we know that, you know, some characters came easy, some were difficult to write. Um, just give us like some, like one or two behind the scenes facts, uh, you know, yeah. about the writing process of the book or of okay. the series. Yeah. So um, Hunter, um, love Hunter. And Hunter's relationship um, with his parents is in some ways inspired by my son's experience in high school. My son is an amazing, brilliant person who just didn't love school. Um, he's now, you know, my son is in the National Guard. He's um, working to get an electrician's apprenticeship. He is this wonderful human being, but his like sort of end of middle school, beginning of high school, we kind of, you know, butted heads a little bit about grades. And um, and it took me a while to sort of think it through of like, you know, he, he does not love sitting in a desk all day. And then looking at my own students and thinking, this is really pretty common, right? <laughs> of kids who just have a lot to give, but we put them in the system. And so looking at, you know, what would be a system in which Hunter would thrive. And I figured a restaurant, right, where there's so much going on and he's this good guy, um, but then kind of needing to keep it together and then having his pressure of wanting to be real successful. Um, so that was kind of where Hunter came from. Um, let's see. Who do you want to know about? Like, what's a character you you want to know where they came from? Alicia, you go. Ooh. Because you know um, I want to say Piper, but go ahead. No, yeah, we're gonna get that later. <laughs> um, I really want to know like more of Ash because I just finished oh, um, yeah. the third book last week, and yeah. and I and kind of going into a question that I have written down here. Yeah. Do you come from a big family? Because I come from a huge family and we're all loud and obnoxious because we're loud Italian people. Like, I, it just, like, I felt those, like, dinner scenes because I've had a bunch of that in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Um, I only have two siblings, but we are real close with extended family. And yeah, so um, that's, yeah. So there's only, you know, the, the, the nuclear family is pretty small, but um, yeah, we have a large extended family. 
Um, and so that, and then my husband and I have a blended family so that like lots of people and, and I love the idea of Ash just being this guy who was like, you know, wanting it to be, wanting everybody to settle down and wanting everybody to be serious and wanting everybody to, you know, normal. right, exactly. Have this family where it's like, dude, that is not going to happen. So, um, yeah, that was, that was kind of where Ash came in. Um, and I love that, like, and this is, again, this is something that like, I, like, I know that I made up the stories, but it still felt like Ash was the one who's like more mature than his parents, right? Like he's the one who's like telling his parents to stop having a pillow fight or whatever, um, <laughs> or the pinecone fight, I guess. Yeah. Um, and telling his mom to put her phone down, you know, when she's looking at her phone on Christmas Eve or Christmas day. Um, so I, that just like, Ash just showed up that way. <laughs> I wanted to know about, well, I really want to know about Coach V, but I, my girl is Clara and then of course Piper, but like, you know, we'll wait for Piper, <laughs> but yeah, Coach V for sure. And then Clara. Yeah. So I love Violet so much. Um, Violet is the imaginary daughter of my sister and her husband. My sister and her husband have um, three boys oh, and they don't- um, okay. Well, they, they're they're another blended family. So, um, yeah. and awesome. Like, I have the best nephews. They're amazing. Um, and I just like so my brother-in-law Scott is like very athletic. Um, they're just like smart, wonderful, incredible, loving people. Um, and I just in my mind, I was like, okay, what if they had a daughter? Um, so that's kind of where it came from. And then, um. And then just her being like fierce and, but also really, you know, lovely and wanting friends and so on and so forth. And so that balance of like, what would a really hardworking, athletic um, woman who wanted to play football, but like understood that she wasn't going to move forward in the game, but then following in her dad's footsteps of being a coach. And so that's kind of where that character came from. Um, and then Clara... So there's a little bit of me and Clara, I think, you know, and oftentimes authors do that within an early book um, of a person who, you know, I definitely um, have some struggles with um, being a little anxious and I have to be real careful about making sure I go for runs and making sure I'm eating healthy and things like that to, to kind of mitigate, um, you know, how I, my wiring is, is a little, little tight. Um, and then I just... Like I wanted a character where her kindness and her friendliness was powerful in the world. So often we think about, um, you know, powerful people being kind of hard and mean or whatever. And I wanted a really powerful person who was like, love is the answer. Like I'm going to set up people and make them happy and push them to do the things they need to do. Like she certainly, she doesn't pull any punches when it comes to Michael or to Pam or to coach Kessler. Um, so to, to push them where they need to be pushed, but also um, do it through a real kind, kind basis. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that we're we're waiting on Piper, but <laughs> I have a million questions going through my head right now. <laughs> well, she's so kind of elusive. She's like she's always like one call away, but she she doesn't live there anymore. So we haven't gotten much of her, which I think makes us want more of her. And like I said, yeah. I was like, she's going to make us wait for Piper. She's going to make us wait for her. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Piper going to fall in love with? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. Just as my friend was texting me this morning, she's like, who's it going to be? Um, so Piper, <laughs> um, 
Okay. Here's what you need to know about Piper. Like she's one of those people who's just born, like she knows what she wants. She knows how to get it. She's less afraid of what other people think, right? She's just like, you know, we're just going to do this. We're going to get it done. Um, she loves I think cities. Piper. I think Piper is a cool girl and like not she is. a bad cool girl. She's the, the cool, no. cool girl. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, she she loves clothes, and she's like, she's not going to be apologetic about it. She's like, yeah, I look good. You know, <laughs> yes, that's um, I work yeah, hard at yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you like my hair? Good. You know, I, I just took some time with it. Um, she, in fact, she's got that scene with Ani in book four where you know Ani's talking about the limited wardrobe, and Piper's like, yeah, I just want more clothes. Like, I'm not a minimalist. <laughs> Like everybody else can be a minimalist. Piper just wants another closet. Um, Minimalism isn't fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. (laughs) And I think like compared with Clara, like I I, I feel like Clara is like the every girl. She's sweet. She's funny. She loves love. Like she, I mean, she's a matchmaker and she takes her job very seriously. And then there's Piper who isn't, she's like, she's not mean. She's not the mean sister. They just... Like if you compare and contrast them, they are very different, but they love each other so much. They're very much family. Piper's just real cool. She's just real cool. She's snarky. Yeah. And that's the characters like fall. I guess because I'm, I've been told I'm snarky. I just love the (laughs) snarky character. (laughs) Like one of my favorite scenes, like we're hopping books, but like um, with, with the football game and she's Uh calling out things that she thinks are not going to be like points and yeah, she doesn't right. even know the game and I'm just like I feel that because I don't know football <laughs> I come from a hockey family so I don't know football at all so much I think that is my favorite scene that I've ever written and I think you were the first person to be like oh, I love that scene yeah. <laughs> oh I love it 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 just reminded me of like being in my family who's very sports oriented because I'm in a male dominated family so and not being sports oriented I'm like I have no idea, but I'm just going to nod my head. (laughs) I have to mention like um, the, the first, the the way that the series goes, like you read the first book and you're like, she is not going to outdo the intensity Mm -mm. and the conflict in the next one. Like she just can't, like, there's no way. And then you read (laughs) Bowman's book and you're like, okay, so she outdid herself. We're not. Bowman's book made me cry. I'm not going to do that again. And then you get to coach V's book and you're like, well, dang it, Anna, like you're bringing a female (laughs) football coach to a small town. Clearly there's a dad who was thinking he was going to be up for the job. Like it's just, it is intense in the best way. And it just makes that ending so much more satisfying. Like, can you talk, like, is that something that you are like consciously aware of? Is it like having your writing partners be like, Hey, you know, add a little bit more to it. Like it just, is so flawless every time you're like okay she is she's gonna take it easy on us next time and then you pick up the next book and you're like nope she didn't do it again Darn. <laughs> she's ripping my heart out <laughs> um, I think I can only answer this question by saying I just have a flat out panic of <laughs> someone reading one of my books and then getting to the next book and being like ah, it's not as good and I'm just like <laughs> I'm so panicked about it. And so every book, I'm just like, oh, what if it's not as good? And so um, I know that's not a very good answer, but it's my, no, it's my concern. I just want to like, and I was so worried about book four in this series. Piper's book, I mean, 
I don't know. We'll see what people think. No matter what, Piper's book is always going to be my favorite book in the series. Like I just kind of, I love that character. I go all out. I let her drink as much espresso as she wants. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's a little bit of you and Piper as well. <laughs> it is, yeah. I guess Piper and Clara might be like the two sides um, of me. Um, and I so, yeah, you know, um, but I think it's just really, my hope is, is that as my career continues, and I very much hope to be one of those romance writers who has books and books, I would love it if you people will. could. Yeah, you oh, will. Okay, great. <laughs> sure. We're, we're saying it. Um, any yeah. heartwarming editors that are listening, um, <laughs> just yes. keep them coming, okay? If her like an endless contract, please. <laughs> I, so I work with Emma Grimaldi. Emma um, Grimaldi's like the best. Like I love her so much. She is, um, she's an amazing editor. And like she can see these little points and helps me tweak things. And she's incredible. Um so yeah, I guess I just really wanted, um, I want all the books to be good. And I'm worried, you know, I have another series that will come out in May of this coming year. Um, and I have some like trepidations, but I just have to like take a deep breath and like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm like doing my best. So yeah. Piper, yeah. I think is like that, that person that we all have inside us who just goes for it. Um, and doesn't, you know, part of Piper's issue in this book is that she's she's come to a point in her life where she's stumbled. She's always been very confident, but then um, without giving too much away, as her family starts to change and her siblings change, um, and Clara, you know, has a baby and so forth, Piper begins to sort of question her choices. Um, and so it's this very confident person at a point in her life where she has to kind of step back and say, where am I, where am I going and what am I doing? Um, but even that said, she's just got that Piper attitude where she wants to help. She knows kind of the best things to do. Um, and one of the things we learn about Piper is that in her, what seems like selfishness, um, it's not really selfishness, but in her, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get what I want for breakfast and I'm going to wear what I want to wear and so forth. Um, that there's this, flip side of wanting that for everyone else as well, right? Like she wants people to be in a position in their lives where they're getting what they need and, and everything's um, happening as it should for them. So we get to see that real um, warm and caring side of Piper, as well as her snarkiness and her flippancy and her like, you know, get it together, do the thing, everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I, it was just such a joy to write that book. I think with Piper, I mean, even when we meet her, like in book one, she is very cool. But uh -huh. I think from the beginning, when you've introduced her, you've found ways to also, and I think maybe it, sh it is because she, you can tell she just loves her family, but she does have yeah. a soft side and she is vulnerable. And I think that's probably, I think you've just like built her up through the, the, the book so well. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're ready for her. We're ready for her. Cause yes. I, yeah. Like, like you said, I think everybody <laughs> has a little bit of that of her in us. So oh, I'm so excited. I'm very, very excited. For this. Thank you for humoring okay. us. <laughs> yes. I'm going to give you one little teaser of that book yes. and you can Please. work this out in your own minds. I'm just going to tell you that Piper accidentally buys a cow. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's all we needed to know. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to tease us, that's the perfect teaser. 
Yes. Okay. So for anybody, so everybody needs to be preparing for her hometown Christmas. Tell us all about it. Your elevator pitch, all the things. Tell us. And like a Christmas romance. Like, were you writing this during the holidays? Probably not. How did you do this magic, her hometown Christmas? So I love, love, love the character of Ani. Um, And so Ani lives in her remodeled sprinter van and she drifts from place to place. So she's a free spirit. Um, She believes that she kind of doesn't have any rules and that she's this free spirit and she's not going to get herself tied down. This comes out of a pretty difficult um, background that you will read when you um, get the story. But she shows up and she is just the thing they that needs to shake up Hunter. Hunter is like, I have to be successful. I have to build this event center. He's got it booked for um, this big equestrian society gala. So all of these fancy ladies are going to be using it. And um, he's got to get it together. And Ani shows up and is kind of the one person who can help him get it all together, but then also is just pushes his buttons in every way imaginable. (laughs) Um, And I love Ani and Hunter. They're this couple that I just feel like, um, you know, they're they're that couple. I don't know if you know people like this in real life, but when they get together, they just complement each other so perfectly and they help each other loosen up and become happier and really like kind of open their lives to more when they fall in love with each other. So that, that was Ani and Hunter. Um, Ani loves to tease Hunter and get him like kind of riled up around these various rules. Um, And so it's just really fun to have that, that character in there. The other part about this story that came later. I I had written most of the story. And then um, later this character of Maya came in and Maya is a a teenager who kind of doesn't have a lot to do and a lot going on. And then Ani um, brings Maya in to help her paint this mural. And I love the character of Maya and just sort of um, uncovering her and figuring out what she needs in this place um, and how Ani, um, despite the fact that Ani kind of thinks she doesn't have much to offer, winds up really opening some doors um, for this kiddo. So it's, I I love this book. And as always um, in, in books, um, there's a lot of like gratuitous food. So there's plenty of like Hunter... <laughs> Hunter definitely expresses his love for Ani by um, cooking her things and making her fancy espresso drinks. And so there's lots of, um, you know, Hunter Wallace uh, cooking scenes in here as well. (laughs) I love it. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for like (laughs) letting us pick your your brain about the series. Um, I mean, we have to ask, I know that you said like May of next year, but like, can you tell us anything else about the new series other than like, we know there's a Willie Nelson song being played. (laughs) Yes. Like, you know, we're two, we're huge fans. So like, what can you tell us about the next series? Well, um, the next series is called The Teacher Project, and it's about five young teachers oh straight out of education. Oh, my gosh. Yes! <laughs> I've been, like, um, I have been excited about you um, coming across this series. So five teachers straight out of ed school are recruited to work at a teeny tiny town in southeastern Oregon. So this is um, the least, the most sparsely populated area of Oregon. Um, they are recruited to come in and revive um, a high school. And so they get there and it's this 
quirky, quirky little town. It's not like Outcrop. In Outcrop, like things are going pretty well when the series starts. In Pronghorn, the name of this town, um, things are like, it's, um, there's some quirks. The town doesn't necessarily get along. And then the series looks at how these teachers, as they revive the school um, and then fall in love and so forth, um, how that kind of changes um, the community that they're in and brings the community together. I so that's what's coming that. up in Are you going to have more horse stuff in the series or no? Oh, 100%. Yes. Um, Okay. I wanted um, to ask you before we stop recording. um, I used to ride horses. I used to do dressage. Like, do you have a background in that? So my very good friend, Anne Hedick, um, who her hometown Christmas is dedicated to, Anne um, does dressage and Anne owns a Canadian horse. So that is where that comes from. I love to ride, but I am not a, um, not like you, like people who do dressage. Oh my gosh. I haven't done it in years, but I miss it so much. Oh, it is amazing. I miss it. Well, and so, um, my friend, Anne, um, did not get her horse until she was, I think she was 40 when she finally got her horse and has started doing dressage since she was 40 years old. Um, so amazing. So you can come back to it. Um, yes, I hope to. Yes. <laughs> I, did, I did it uh, mainly in college and high school. That is amazing. Uh, no, dressage is like, that stuff is like so impressive. It's intense. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Um, in this next series, the, the, the hero in book one um, rescues Mustangs. There's a real need for horse rescue in um, southeastern Oregon. Um, the horses... Um, a, there's a lot of wild horses that are kind of neglected, not getting what they need. And so horse rescue is a part of, of this. Um, so that would be plenty of horses. And also like hey. <laughs> there's a shepherd and there's a cat. I, like I, I'm like, can you put too many quirky animals in a series? Is there a limit? To <laughs> no. Nope. Okay. Right. And teachers. Oh, I love yes. it. So my, mom was, my mom's a former teacher, so she'll love it. Yes. Oh gosh, oh. you have to let her read it, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Anna, please tell everybody where we can keep up with you online, plug your newsletter, all the things. Absolutely. Please. So my author website is Anna Grace Author. Um, you can go there and find the latest happenings. You can follow me on Instagram at Anna Grace Author, also on um, Facebook, Anna Grace Author as well. And then I'm, I still have a Twitter account. Um, so that is at Anna Emily Grace. And I love, love, love connecting with people. I love hearing what people um, you know, are, are interested in and what they hope to see um, in the upcoming book. So please don't hesitate to, to reach out with thoughts. Um, <laughs> thank you, Brie and Alicia, for having me here. This, like, thank you. being on this podcast, as far as I'm concerned, like, I have arrived. I am now an author of <laughs> the Romance Podcast. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. That means so much. Oh, my gosh. We're it's huge done. fans. Uh, I, I'm, I feel like we're fangirling here, so yeah, we know. totally are gushing, like making fools of ourselves. All the messages cares? you should hear about us freaking yes. out over, over these books. Um, you should see our Voxer chat. It's just like ah! Jet is still my, you know, Jet and Coach. Like just seeing Jet, I don't know. Like I have loved every book in this series, but when Jet pulls up, I just seeing him how crazy his about Clara. Like you really started the series off with a bang because that couple yes, still means. Completely so much and then you fall yeah. in love with the next sibling in their relationship and I love Bowman and Maisie it just had gotten like it's out of control 
So thank you for giving us such, it's so much to talk about. Uh, Alicia, where is, where can everybody yes. keep up with you? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram at birdie in the books. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel by the same name. Hmm. Um, and I will have an author interview tonight on my channel. <laughs> so I'll link that. Um, yeah, we'll link it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, mostly Instagram. I do have a Twitter, um, bird and books because Instagram makes, or Twitter makes you cut the stuff <laughs> and doesn't give you, like, they don't let you put your full name and I'm just like, come on. But, um, <laughs> that's mostly the place you can find me and I'm trying to think anything else. Nope. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, thank you ladies for hanging out with me on this Saturday morning and everybody I will have all the links to where you can keep up with Anna and where you can get your copies of the books. Go get them. So Alicia and I have yes. other people to talk about the books with. And thank you, Bree, for screaming at me to read the first book because I did. And you didn't regret it. 